Welcome to Reinvention Ready. I'm your host, Janie Genosis. If you're looking for inspiration to ignite your fires of possibility and make the rest of your life your best life, you're in the right place. If you've ever wondered what it might be like to start your own consulting firm using the wisdom you've gained from your years of experience, you're in for a treat. My guest today, Dan Hanley, has enjoyed a career in fundraising, supporting nonprofits' critical work for nearly two decades. His insight and experience have assisted organizations changing the lives of people facing AIDS, teens dealing with homelessness, children suffering from abuse, and those who've experienced domestic violence and sexual assault. Using his years of philanthropic wisdom, Dan founded Altrui in 2019 to follow his passion for helping even more nonprofit organizations build lifelong relationships with their donors through development strategy. He's also an avid reader and currently reading 400 Souls. I'm excited to learn from Dan about his reinvention journey and starting his consulting firm later in life. Welcome, Dan. We are so happy to have you with us today. Thank you. I'm ecstatic to be with you today. So, Dan, um, I've known you for a while now, and you've done a few reinventions in your life. Prior to Altrui, how did you end up becoming a new business owner and starting your own consulting firm? I started thinking about this almost six years ago when we first moved from Colorado to Southern California thinking that I wasn't sure that I wanted to go back into leading nonprofit fundraising teams in Southern California. And once we got here and I was in the world of, of nonprofits here, I realized that I did want to still be a part of it. So while I put my plans on hold to create a consulting firm like Altrui, I had it in the back of my mind that one day I was going to do this. And then I kept thinking as, as the years passed, as they do, I started thinking about this, I think it's a mantra or a quote that I kept seeing, which was make your one day, day one. And so I kept thinking about when is my day one going to happen? And for me, the day one would mean that's when Altrui would go full time. And so as things have it with my job here in, um, in the Los Angeles area, it, it became pretty clear that it was time for me to move on. And rather than deciding to move on to another chief development officer position or something like that, I decided to start creating Altrui. So I had plenty of time before that uh, before day one. And so by the time day one happened, I had time to create a website, hire an amazing professional to do my website, create mission statements and vision statements and, and get uh, payment options, all, all that stuff that you have to do for a business, uh, licenses, all of that. And so come the first week of October of 2019, I went live with Altrui with a whole social media blast and introducing the world to this concept of 
Altroy Consulting, which has been fabulous ever since. That is really great. And, and it looks like to other people that see it like, oh, you just did this all of a sudden, but there was a lot of back end to your day one. Oh, definitely, definitely. What I realized uh, long before Altrui became alive was that I kept hearing that I would want a website. So I, I saw the different free formats of creating your own website. And I decided that I'm very good at acknowledging when I don't know something or when I need help. And I know nothing about websites. So I put that out there to friends of mine and I was introduced to this amazing web design person who was super affordable, super kind, super responsive. And he helped me create Altrui. And then he helped me create an Altrui email. And then I, I basically Googled how to start a business in Southern California. And I, I've been on Twitter in the fundraising world for a long time. So I had fundraising consultants that that took time to hang out with me and talk to me about their business and the challenges that they had. So I would say I spent a lot of time, especially in that one month leading up to the go date in the first week of October in 2019. Uh, that, was, uh, that was a lot of time just really making sure that I was doing everything right. And that when it, it came upon the day of my day one, that I was ready to introduce Altrui to the world. Your first impression is such an important impression to people. So if you don't come off professional and, and you look like you're kind of a rinky-dink shop, you know, people aren't going to want to use you for consulting firms. So I would imagine that was a, a key concern of yours. What were some other concerns you had before you launched or roadblocks that you dealt with? I think my... I, the. My first big concern was, so I'm going from a salary like this to basically zero. On day one, my salary was zero. And so, you know, talking about that with my husband, who's <laughs> very supportive, um, that's a big deal, right? Because we, there's a reason why we work. And so that was probably the first I mean, I don't want to call it an obstacle because it's just one of those things that you think about and you plan. So I knew that Altrui was going to start one day and that I knew that we had to be financially okay with whether it would be successful in the first year or two even. So um, you make changes to your spending and you save a little more so that if, if you don't get a client for the first few months, then you're ready for that. Fortunately, because of having everything ready on day one and introducing kind of like a pretty concise, clear product to so many contacts that I already had all over the country uh, from working in nonprofits, that I signed my first contract the second weekend. And then from there, it just kept building up. So I would say that, you know, just being clear that on day one, the monetary situation is going to change. I, I don't know for how long, but, and then also making sure that uh, I must have read my website 20 times just to make sure the copy was right. 
even doing all of that and having other people read it, I found a typo about three months later um, <laughs> through a friend of mine who was checking out the website. So, I mean, just making sure that um, all of that is set. The other thing that has really saved me, I think, is that I spent a lot of time working with people smarter than me on a five-year business plan. And that is something that I highly recommend. It can be as easy as just starting on a Microsoft Word document and putting year one. <laughs> just, you know, what do I want to type, 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 type. But that has been amazing because it sets goals for me. But it also, in, in my case now, I've been in business for 18 months and I'm kind of where I wanted to be in four years. So it allows you to see this growth. It also allows you to realize that on my day one, I looked at Alteri a certain way and people looking at me saw Alteri a certain way, but I've changed in 18 months. I've changed what I, what I offer. I've changed on the type of services that I wanna provide and I don't wanna provide. You become very clear in things as you begin to do the work. And so keeping an open mind has been really important in that. I think that's so helpful for people to know that it's okay to change, that you have a plan, but that plan doesn't have to be chiseled in stone. It's, it's a changing living document that as you grow and learn, you begin to say, I want to do this a different way. And it's okay to make those choices. Exactly. Yeah, it's super. Uh, I mean, I think we've overused the word pivot in, in COVID times. Yeah. But I, th I think it's super important to be able to have that comfortability and pivoting and, and realizing when, for example, if you're in consulting and you have a new client and you're starting to do work that just doesn't turn you on, that's not exciting. I mean, why create your own business if you're not going to love every minute? And, and for me personally, I, I don't even feel that I work anymore. It's just like a, a complete joy to do the work I do. I, I, I mean, I'm home office, so I skip down the very short hallway to my office every morning, coffee in hand, very excited for the day. And so you figure out kind of what, okay, I love doing this, A, B, and C. So what can I do to promote this type of work that brings in those types of clients? And then the other type of work that I don't like, I'm just very honest about it now. And I have, having been in the nonprofit world for almost two decades, I have those people that I can say, well, I, I never want to write another grant again, but here's an amazing grant writer. <laughs> those relationships that you carry with you can be really important. You have a way of servicing your client that allows you to live your dream and run your business how you see fit but then also allows them to get what they need from the relationship with you. Community is critical. And Definitely. I love that you're not only helping the people that are your ideal clients, 
but that when it isn't something that you want to do, you've got resources for those clients. So you're helping other people who love to write grants or it, you know, the beautiful thing about it is, is there's so many of us in the world and we all have different gifts and knowing which ones are yours and which ones aren't. And then knowing who has the gifts you don't have so that you can refer people or maybe even use them on a contract basis to help you if it's something you don't want to do that you need for your business. Exactly, exactly. And I'm constantly thinking of, you know, with Clubhouse, with Twitter, with Instagram, when I see somebody who excels in an area that I just don't want to work in, but that my clients may need at some point, or even somebody who has, you know, a consistent up to date flow of information around a certain topic, that may not be my key topic, or even on my top 10. I always make sure that I introduce and build relationship with them so that I can really be the best resource to, to any client. I love that. I love that. And I think, honestly, that's one of your superpowers, which is my next question. I, I see you as this incredible networker, and I've known you for a while. And you know, when we were bloggers together in blogging land, you were so connected to everybody and you were making connections for other people too. And that's, that's just a gift that not everybody seems to have that gift. So I think that's one of your superpowers. I would love to hear what do you think are your superpowers? Oh, thanks. Well, I think on the top of my list, I mean, I work with nonprofits, most of them are, are small grassroots nonprofits, very entrenched in human rights, animal rights, animal welfare, um, border work, domestic violence, women with cancer, all these issues that are so important to me. What doing this work has really helped me. I don't know if I had the superpower before or not, but I, I've become a really good listener. I think listening is, is key. It's probably more so when you're a consultant than when you're a head of a fundraising team. But um, I've, I've learned to really just sit and listen because when you let somebody else do the talking and you just may nod your head or say, oh, I need to write that down or I agree or that's interesting, but let that flow continue, the amount of information and the level of relationship that you build is intense. I mean, it's, it's fabulous. So listening would be one. And I think just saying I don't know is one because we you know when people hire you as a consultant they're really hiring this and your experience and in my case my heart as well and my passion but it's it's very important for us to be comfortable with saying you know what I've never done for example, a federal grant, which I have done, but if, if I've never done a federal grant and somebody's asking about it, then I need to introduce them to somebody who has done federal grants. Or I feel like I'm doing really well with direct mail campaigns, but if, if there's a specific type of campaign that somebody wants to run that I haven't done or I've done very little, it's really important for me just to say, I don't know, or that I don't believe I'm the best person for this because there's nothing like building a relationship than, than bringing that deep honesty and honor to, to the conversation. So those would probably be a couple. If I had to think of one more, I would say, when I tell you that I care about making the world a better place, I live that. 
And my clients know it, my community knows it, my husband knows it, my family knows it. And I feel like it's, it's very important for when, when we do recreate ourselves and we make this big change at a certain point in our life, it's important for us to, to live that, to really live our passion and to work in an area that's very important to us personally. Because otherwise, what's the point? It's that big why. And I think as we get older and wiser, sometimes that why becomes clearer and we just don't want to deal with the crap anymore and put up with the fake stuff and things that just don't resonate with us. And that's one of the gifts of growing older, I think, is we can say no and we can say, I don't know. I think that's great too. I mean, we don't know everything. There's no way to know everything. Um, sometimes we don't want to know everything. And, and that's, that is beautiful. And everybody needs to work on their listening skills. I think that's a superpower that we should all try to develop because the more we listen, and listening is more than just hearing, it's it's soaking it in. So I love those superpowers. And I think you've really found your niche with what you're doing and with your heart's passion. So kudos to you for that, Dan. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. So you mentioned a little bit about using a five-year plan. What are some other tools that you use in your business? And I would love to know too, like in maybe in reaching out to clients or in just keeping yourself organized, just that day-to-day what kind of tools do you use to, to keep yourself moving forward? Sure. So this is, I, I love talking about this because it was a great lesson for me. When I first started, I was doing my financial books just in Excel spreadsheets. And then as I grew, probably in the first three or four months, I decided to subscribe to QuickBooks, which is fantastic. What, what I learned though, is that it's as, as fantastic as the information that you put in there. And so I was wondering, one of my newer clients, they were super happy, everything was great with them, but they hadn't uh, paid their invoice yet. And I, I was like, well, this is a little weird because we talked about it, they were doing it that day. And then I realized we had talked about it that I was going to send them an invoice but I hadn't sent them the invoice. And, and so what, what I learned was housekeeping is a priority for me now. So in, in business housekeeping, what I have to do is I um, dedicate Friday afternoons to no client appointments, no appointments, really. I turn on some Blondie or ABBA or Erasure and I just really, I get into QuickBooks, I get into all of my emails from the past week. And then I look in Monday and Tuesday of the next week, just to make sure I'm fully prepared. And then I created a work checkoff list, which you can do in Excel and a Microsoft Word. You can do, I guess, even a PowerPoint. And then of course, there's plenty of different software companies that you can put in your phone or on your laptop to, to create your calendar. But my workflow chart is really important because by Friday afternoon, there's so many boxes that need to be checked. And I, so I just kind of review to make sure they're all checked. I've also learned that some clients want me using their calendar system, which is fine. I use my own calendar system, 
And what I learned is that when you have a bunch of different calendars going on, it's easy to miss an appointment. And, mm -hmm. and I've done that and it never feels good. Everybody is always fully understanding, but it, it, when you're out there, you, you want to be the professional's professional. You want to be the consultant. And even though it's okay to realize that you always don't have your stuff together, you don't want to express that to the world. <laughs> um, you want to express it like I would express it to you and to friends, but you don't want to talk about that with clients. So what I did was I went back to the 1980s and I bought this, I bought this paper calendar and every single activity for Ultrawi and only Ultrawi is on this calendar. And so it's a combination of all of the calendars I have online, but this is what I look at before I close for the day and when I open for the day, just to make sure that I meant to meet with you at 11, but for some reason it's actually 1030 and I missed it or something like that. So I think, you know, making whatever works for you, uh, because this may not work for the next person, but make sure that you have a way to keep track of your time. And that also benefits your client reporting as well, because then you can look at one spot and you can say, okay, I did this, this, and this, and these are the hours I put into that. So that can be beneficial. The other thing is to network. And I network on mostly on social media these days. A great opportunity for people anywhere is to join your local chamber of commerce and, and take some type of role there. I live in Monrovia, but next door is Arcadia. And I was on the board of the Arcadia Chamber of Commerce. I never missed a breakfast. I never missed a business after hours. I was always there making sure people knew about my nonprofit when I was in that field. But now that they know about Ultraride, that they have my business card, that they know exactly what I do and what I don't do. And then what happens is before you know it, you go to some of these events, even the online ones now. And, and the great thing about now is most chambers will allow you to come to one of their meetings wherever you are. If you've heard about, for example, the Arcadia Chamber of Commerce, the breakfast we have every month is fantastic. And you don't have to live here to do business with people here. So I've, I've taught people that you can go to any chamber of commerce you want, wherever you want to have a presence. And some are better for smaller businesses. Some are better for bigger businesses. It all depends. Oh, I would also add to just keep hustling. And, and what I mean by that is that for me, I've committed that every week I post a new blog post on my Alteri site. And every week I try to post a tip of the week video. And, and then I try to be on Twitter every day. I try to do two posts on LinkedIn every week. And I have those written down. So try to always keep hustling because in my business, you never know when somebody's going to email me and say, hey, I've, I've thought about you know, working with you for a long time and now I'm ready to see if we can work together. And that happens to me all the time. And, and so just because you don't see an immediate response to what you're doing 
doesn't mean that five or six people aren't out there thinking about you, that you may be on their list of when, you know, is the perfect time for them. Because especially in the world of consulting, you want to work with somebody when it's the perfect time for them. You don't, that any other time, it's just not going to work. It has to be the perfect time for them. So, you know, keeping that hustle up every day, even if your phone's not ringing and your email box is empty, just keep doing what you're doing to make sure that people know not only who you are, but the value that you can bring to them. I love your tips on LinkedIn. That's inspired me. I'm going to start doing those as well. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. So I I just love it. And I have another lady who used to work for me, ended up going to law school. She does these tips every week as well. She calls it Coffee with Kelly. And I, I don't need to even know about employment law so much, but I watch them because I learn something. And it's just, it's wow. great to, to do that. People don't think of LinkedIn from that perspective as a social media tool where you can use video and you can use something mm -hmm. other than just trying to message people and saying, Hey, I do this. Can do you want my services? Cause that can get annoying and it feels very impersonal, but when people can watch a video and say, Hey, this guy knows his stuff. That was really useful. I'm going to start following him. And then, like you say, you don't know when somebody's going to need you. It might not be this month or even this year, but they'll know you. And when they do need somebody, then they're going to pick up the phone or send an email to you and, and reach out to you because you're top of mind. So Definitely. great tip. And I love your 1980s calendar with your 1980s music. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Some things never change. <laughs> that is so true, which is a great segue into my next question is um, yeah. what inspires you today and how has that changed as you've reinvented yourself? probably it hasn't changed all that much in that now instead of working for one amazing nonprofit making the world a better place i work with a dozen or so every month that's what drives me and inspires me is just watching the impact these folks have on the world on on helping women with cancer on helping asylum seekers at the border um on making people think about how cruel they can be to animals, on, um, oh, on, on serving uh, mostly women who are survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. Um, and, and now um, met, a medical clinic um, helping people who are sick in Yemen. You know, so like all of these things I'm just super passionate about. I mean, the idea of helping kids with nothing, nothing, and sometimes not even not a family alive, all, all of those things inspire me. So I can spend five, literally five minutes on the phone with a client and, you know, my heart is just full, no, knowing that in a very small way, they're able to serve more people or more animals or change more policy because we were able to create systems that help them fundraise more and build longer term, deep personal relationships with their donor partners. That's beautiful. Really beautiful. And, and so, so great to have that personal mission that's only expanded as you've gotten older and to be so clear on it early on too, because many of us don't know 
what our mission should be until we get older and we, we totally flip. So I think it's cool that you've been able to build on that, which is something that I hope a lot of listeners out there will think about as in what have you cared about all your life? What have you cared about in the past? And maybe you've continued to care about that building your experiences, even if you haven't worked in that field, there might be some skills that you can bring to a new career or to a new passion. Definitely. Yeah. And nonprofits too. You and I both worked nonprofits for many, many years. And yes. I think there's a lot of, um, what's the right word for it? It's sort of like this, this stigma around nonprofits is they're like these amazing, wonderful places to work where you're just going to do good all day long. And it's like, it's hard work. I think their business is just like any other business. You've got to bring in funds so that you can keep the business going. You've got to do good work. Otherwise, people are going to say you're not for real. And I think there's a myth around nonprofits that maybe it's 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 just you're just out there like Mother Teresa all day long. And really, there's you got to get down and roll up your sleeves and do the nitty gritty. Right, right. Indeed, indeed. So I sure think you- there's many myths around nonprofits. And, and you certainly- <laughs> We should do a clubhouse on that. That would be <laughs> yes. But they are for for me personally, the uh, the ability to to be of service to fellow human beings. Well, actually, all sentient beings uh, in in the nonprofit world is something that you know. Once I got a taste of that, I never looked back because I came from the military and then the hotel business before I got into nonprofits. And what, you know, once I'd been in a nonprofit that I cared deeply about after a few months, I, I knew I was never going to go back to the corporate world. Yeah. Yeah. And a good nonprofit is, is priceless. I mean, they really do change the world. And when you see the difference that it makes in the life of a person or an animal or a system, you know, like justice systems, things like that, it's just, it's just incredible. There's some out there that aren't so great. And I think, you know, being a consultant, it's nice because you can go in, you can look at their 990s where they're spending their money, do a little research on them, I'm sure. And some of them just need some help. Some of them are, their heart's not necessarily in the right place. So I always tell people to do their research before they decide to give and make sure that they're giving to organizations that are truly changing the world. And what right. would, what advice would you have to donors out there in choosing nonprofits to give to? So I tell you, one of the one of the changes I made to my business plan, which I'd never even thought of when I created Ultra, was that now donors hire me to find the perfect nonprofit for them when when they're thinking of making like a significant donation. So I've actually been able to have a lot of conversations around this. And I think the, um, the, the key thing is really to figure out if you could change one thing in the world, what does that look like? I, I mean, digging pretty deep around that. So if you want to go broad and say homelessness or cruelty to animals or stigma towards people living in poverty or stigma towards, you know, fill in the blank these days, that can be your starting off point. But then, you know, we dig a little deeper with that. And and then we start interviewing different nonprofits and, and looking at their, their spending. But I'm, I'm a big fan of nonprofits spending a lot of money if they're rocking 
at their mission that that I don't look at just because this nonprofit spent this percentage on admin and development or whatever that I really look at what the impact is that they're having. That's the main thing. And I would, I would just keep doing deeper dives into, you know, you start off with homelessness and then, you know, oh, we have two granddaughters in high school. So let's look at young people being homeless and then let's go to young women being homeless. And then we just keep diving deeper and deeper until we find two or three or five nonprofits that are doing this specific work, even if it's part of their general work, but it includes them. We have a high school kid across the street from us and he does these little fundraising campaigns. And so he knows if he comes and knocks on the door, after the dogs stop barking, he can say what he's fundraising for this month or this week or whatever. And he knows that we'll say yes. And I tell you, I can be honest with you that I don't remember half of the groups that I donated to. I know that they weren't groups that I wouldn't donate to because I asked those questions. I think that's the type of donor where I can say, you know, hey, I'm doing this run for this cause. And then you're like, oh, sure, here's 25 bucks or whatever. So that's one type of donor. But the donors that most nonprofits want are people who want to give because they value their impact and they see purpose in their passion and that they see the world being changed to how they want to see the world. You know, if you if you want a world where every kid has three meals a day, then maybe you're gonna look at a hunger organization anywhere in the world that's feeding kids three meals a day. And so I think just asking those questions, I mean, you can research the 990s. I'm less of a financial person and more of an impact person. So I really want to see what they're doing and the impact that they're having. And obviously we have Google, so there's a plethora of information out there. But the other thing is, if you're on any form of social media, you can just put it out there saying, I've got a pay raise and I want to put a portion of this towards blank and get people's ideas. And you never know what you're going to come up with. That's for sure. The other thing is volunteering. If organizations need volunteers, it's a great way to get your foot in the door and really see firsthand the impact that they're making. Uh, that's a fantastic idea. A lot of the nonprofits I work with, are they're very specific in what types of volunteer. Like at the border, you have to be bilingual. Serving survivors, you have to, we're mainly looking for pro bono attorney work. So you have to be an attorney. But yeah, if there's, if there's a nonprofit that you're wanting to invest in, because it really is an investment, you're, you're becoming a partner with them in their mission. I remember in Denver, when I first moved there, I started cleaning out cages at the Max Fund. And I did that for over a decade because that's what I love to do, to provide a little more comfort to an animal waiting to be adopted. And you do, see, like you said, you do see everything that's going on there, which allows you to feel even better about making a donation if you decide to do so. Very true. Very true. Yeah. And thank goodness for volunteers and donors, because the world is a better place because of them. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, so here's a fun question for you. So now that you're not in your 20s and your 30s anymore, and 
I don't know. I, I'm not going to ask you how old you are, but um, we're forties. Forties, <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, still in my fifties for a couple more years. Tell me what you like better about Dan today than Dan in your twenties and thirties. I don't think that I've ever been married to money before, like you know where that was my driving force. But definitely, when I'm looking at clients and the work I do. I'm not focused on the amount of money that it brings to me. I mean, I have my rates and I have what I charge and I, I typically don't negotiate around that. But for me, it's what I love about how I do business now is I say no a lot. Saying no has been so freeing in this business because for me, I'm one person, so I can only work with so many clients. And I want those clients, like we've already talked about, I want to be skipping down the hallway with my coffee coming into my office every morning. I want to feel like I'm part of making the world a better place and a safer place for all living beings. I want that. And so if I'm talking to a potential client and something is just a tiny bit off, whether, um, you know, there's nothing like somebody coming to you to hire you, but but they seem to be doing in their head everything fine and they don't wanna make any changes. Well, then you don't really need a consultant like me. So it, I think saying no uh, is, is probably one of the things that I love more about me. Uh, and then a close second would be honoring people with time. You know, if we've had dinner and I'm hanging out with my husband, my phone is in my office, my laptop is in my office, and we're just chatting, and he has my full attention. So the less time that we have ahead of us than we did have behind us, I think that time becomes so much more important, whether it's your spouse or your kids or just your favorite people, making sure that we're putting time into those relationships and that those people know how much we adore them. Great words of wisdom there. Yeah, and I think it's true. We do start to value that time with our family and our friends more. And it's easier, definitely, as you're older to turn off that technology. I, I worry sometimes with younger people being so programmed into it right. that they need some digital detox because I think, I think we can all use digital detox now and then get overwhelmed by all the messages coming to us, all the different platforms we could be on, all the different emails we could be reading, whatever it is. It just, sometimes it's truly overwhelming, I know for me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a great advice to just, you know, be with those people, give them that time. I will say I, I do like myself better in my 50s than I think I did in my 20s and 30s. So it's nice. something people can look forward to and, you know, all that wisdom is worth something. So sure, sure. Yeah. Definitely. So any parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our viewers today? I would say that I'm 18 months into this now. And I try to be a positive, happy person every day. And I try to express that and I try to live in gratitude. And all of that aside, every single moment in ultra has not been perfect and has not been fantastic. But I, I just keep going. And I think if there's one thing I would say, just keep going. Know that, that what you're doing, it just needs more time or more energy or looking at it in a different way. Um, but, but definitely just keep going 
And on, on the other side of that, I would say, you know, plan up to your day one. Like for, for Alterai on, on my day one, I had a, I, I was everywhere on every social media platform I could think of. I had a brand new blog post. I had a plan of who I was going to connect with every day that week. And all that planning took a couple months. But on day one, I knew this is my day one and I, ha I had prepared for it. So making sure that, you know, taxes and business licenses and all of that stuff, um, it, it, all that has to be ready so that on day one, you can just rock it. <laughs> that would be what I would suggest on my parting thoughts. Great advice. And you rocked it, I have to say, because I, I saw your post and I think I reached out to you and I said, oh my gosh, what are you doing? And I was just <laughs> excited to see that. And you were like excited that your phone rang and it was a cool moment. So I'm like, yeah. ah, it inspired me. I have to say you're, you're an inspiration, Dan. Well, and thank you. Jean. Thank you. Thank you for I know you're selective on who you choose to spend your time with and you say no. So I am so honored that you chose to spend your time with me today and you didn't say no. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you and the gift that you bring to the world. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's certainly my pleasure. I've enjoyed every second of it. To contact Dan Hanley, please reach out to him through his website, alltrueeye.org. Oh my goodness. I enjoyed this interview with Dan so much, and I hope you did too. Dan's wisdom on time management, learning to say no, the superpower of listening, and working towards your day one were such powerful insights. And now Dan and I would love to hear from you. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway from today's interview? Visit Reinvention Ready on Facebook or YouTube to share your thoughts and head over to reinventionready.com to receive free resources and helpful tips from real people just like Dan to help you on your own reinvention journey. You are valuable at any age. The world needs the special gifts that only you can share. It's time to make the rest of your life your best life. Start today. Thank you for listening. See you soon.